Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Some plant and some water, but it's God that gives the increase. You faithfully, patiently, continually, steadfastly, with perseverance and endurance, serve the Lord by the power of the Spirit, by His wonderful grace, and leave the results to Him. You never know. You might be watering, you might be planting. You never know what God's doing through your life, but just leave the results to him. You'll be greatly encouraged. We often get discouraged when we take our eyes and put them on things that don't matter to God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Young or old, new believer or seasoned saint, you can be confident the Lord wants to use you. And isn't that encouraging? But we need to realize our sufficiency comes from God and not in and of ourselves. This comes to light through a study in 2 Corinthians 3, where Paul expresses his sufficiency is in the Lord. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn more about that. Here's our teacher once again, Pastor Ed Taylor. What's the most important credential that a minister or a pastor or a leader or a church planter should have? That question alone would raise a variety of answers. There are many perspectives of what a church planner should be, what a pastor should be, what a Sunday school teacher should be, what a leader should be. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago. He is a part of a congregation currently looking for a pastor. And as we began to talk about the pastoral search for his congregation, I made the suggestion that why don't you put your hand in, you know, your hat in the ring and see if the Lord might have you be the pastor of the church as you serve there and you've been a leader there. And that began a conversation, you know, over email of, well, the requirements, you know, they require this kind of a degree and this kind of experience. And as he was listing out a few of the, the requirements, I had to respond to him, man, with those kind of requirements, I couldn't even pastor that church. And that's how man will look at things. They'll look at the outward. They'll measure up. If you're not careful, you'll measure, you'll look and measure up and say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, Ed. If you wouldn't qualify for pastoring that church, some of you are thinking, what qualifies you <laughs> to pastor this church? And let me just say it very clearly. Paul will mention it here too, the grace of God. It's the grace of God that would take a life and turn a life around and then enable a man, enable a woman to serve the Lord no matter what the outward appearance might be. It's not charisma that's so important to the Lord. It's not a pastor or a teacher's ability to influence a crowd. It's not the style. It's not what he looks like. It's not what he dresses like. It's not what he sounds like. It's not whether he can be funny or not. As you survey through the Bible, the very men that God used, we see God chose in a different way. So many of them, we wouldn't choose ourselves. 
say, well, you know, one of the apostles, I, I think it'd be great for you to pick up Peter. He, he always loves to say things that gets him in trouble and he, he's going to deny Jesus and he's going to stand up and cut people's ears off. That's the guy. Yeah, we want him around. And you could go through that with every individual because from the human perspective, we can set up artificial things that would, not spiritual things. Now, the Bible is very clear about the spiritual qualifications for a leader, First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus. There, there's, there's clarity of the spiritual component, the character of the person. But what we find is so often God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Not always measuring up to what we may think. And one of the attacks, you'll recall that Paul's under attack here from those within the church in Corinth. One of the attacks that he was facing was that he didn't have the right credentials. He didn't have the, what it took to be a pastor or an apostle, as he claimed. They said he wasn't a true apostle. They came against him because he didn't carry around letters of commendation or letters of proof that he really should be doing what he's doing. And that's where we pick up with that in mind. Think of it. The, not the outwards. Be so careful with your eyes. What the saying is that you can't judge a book by its cover, and often you can't judge a person by its cover either. Be careful with your eyes. And let's get to the heart of the matter, as Paul does as he responds to this. He says in verse 1, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of a commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. You are manifestly an epistle of Christ, manifested by us, written not by ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, the heart. Having letters of commendation was not a bad thing. You have to understand in the early church, they simply did not have the communication tools that we have today. There would be no way to really determine if someone was sent or someone was what they claimed was valid without these letters of commendation. Paul himself would write letters of recommendation and commendation to the men that he would send in serving on his behalf. That's not the issue. That's not the issue at all. It was perfectly okay and acceptable and in many times needful for those itinerant pastors and those that were sent to carry letters of commendation. Here's the issue. The issue was the accusation coming saying, Paul, you don't have any. So somehow the, the folks were saying there, look at all of our letters. Where's Paul's letters? And you know what Paul's answer was? I don't need any letters. Look at you. You are my letter. Have you forgotten our ministry together? Have you forgotten what God has done through us? Have you forgotten who you were and who you are now? And you're asking for a letter? You're the letter. It's your life. You want to know that I'm sin of God? You want to know that God's anointing is upon me, Paul says? Look at your own life. Remember where you came from. There wasn't anything wrong with these letters, but Paul is answering directly to the heart of the matter. They're asking for the same thing. They have quickly forgotten where they've come from. Paul didn't need any credentials from church leaders. He was a church leader. His life and ministry were the only commendations and recommendations he needed here in the church. Just to look at God's anointing in his life. You have to remember, those of you that study with us in 1 Corinthians, remember, the Corinthians were wicked sinners. <laughs> I mean, the worst of the worst, that city. They were caught up in all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of 
rebelliousness, all kinds of paganism, all kinds of false worship. And there's that phrase in 1 Corinthians 6, and such were some of you. God, through the ministry of Paul the Apostle, comes with the gospel, and it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul says, you guys got to remember where you came from. It was through the ministry of God's grace that their lives were completely 100% changed by the Spirit of God. That alone is the testimony of God's presence through the ministry of Paul the Apostle. The test of a person's ministry, remember this, those of you that serve, those of you that might get caught up in numbers, the test of a person's ministry isn't numbers, but people. And not just people, but fruitfulness in people. You go, well, wait a minute, Ed. If that's the case, okay, so I was looking at numbers, and it was just one person. You know, my brother's been walking with the Lord for six months less than I have, and he's reached 100 people, and I only have one. So it was numbers. Okay, okay, I'll erase it. I won't measure by numbers anymore. I'll just measure by fruit like you said. And I only know of one person that has borne any fruit under my ministry. Well, then you hold on to that piece of fruit like it's gold. Because that person's very important to the Lord. And right now, one person is probably all that you can handle in ministry. So be faithful with them. Be faithful with the one. And the fruitfulness in just the one. Don't worry about the two or the 50 or the 100. Or it seems like everyone else seems to be growing faster, more fruitful. And here I am. I'm faithfully in the word. I'm faithfully in prayer. And right now, there's only one person I can think of. And he even struggles most of the time. No, 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 no. Be careful not to measure in numbers or comparing yourself. Understand that people was why Jesus died. For people, for people. And one person... You know, if every believer on the planet Earth led one person to Jesus, the church would double. Amazing. One person is important. You know, you were that one person. You're pretty important. You were that one person. You were someone else's one person. (laughs) Where God saved you. I always loved the picture because... In Southern California, Pastor Greg Laurie would often have his harvest crusades and large events, you know, like in Angel Stadium. He would be there in Orange County. And, and in the, the ministry, we've been able to see it uh, this last year and we'll be able to be a part of it again with Harvest America where we're able to catch in live and we'll be able to bring people to an event that while we're not there by, by video and technology, will be here. But I've been to those in person. I've been there even when we were here with Rock the Range and we saw thousands of people respond at one time. But you know how God sees the thousands one at a time. He doesn't see the crowd and compare, well, you know, this year you only reached 1,500 compared to last year is 1,400. No, he sees individually people, whether it's one or a thousand, they're all, and you're all important to the Lord. Some of you got saved in crusades. You're important. The Lord changed your life. But someone came in and said, you know, Paul, you can't trust the guy. Where's his letters? Look at my letter. Look at, look how, there's no fruit from their lives, but look at my letter. (laughs) Look how important I am. There's no change. All they're doing is causing confusion, drawing people after themselves, and they're harming and hurting and lying. And Paul says, just understand, you guys, you want a letter? Go look in the mirror. Go pull out a picture from five years ago when you were who you were, and now look who you are. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You want a letter? Check your heart. It's not hard anymore. 
It's not resistant anymore. It's not rebellious anymore. You're not sold out as a slave to sin anymore. You want a letter? You want a letter of commendation? Here, I'll give you one. Look in the mirror. It's so encouraging. And as you consistently and continually and patiently serve by the Spirit of God, you just need to learn to leave the results to the Lord. Some, the Bible says, and Paul, again, he's writing to the Corinthians. A lot of things I'm quoting right are all from the Corinthian letters. Paul would say, some plant and some water, but it's God that gives the increase. You faithfully, patiently, continually, steadfastly, with perseverance and endurance, serve the Lord by the power of the Spirit, by his wonderful grace, and leave the results to him. You never know. You might be watering. You might be planting. You never know what God's doing through your life, but just leave the results to him. You'll be greatly encouraged. We often get discouraged when we take our eyes and put them on things that don't matter to God. They don't matter. Big numbers here, you know, if we start talking about numbers, we might be really impressed with the numbers. God's not impressed with the numbers. You know what he's impressed with? Faithfulness. Just a loyal heart, man. It's like, I don't, know what God, I don't know what the fruit's going to be. I'm not sure how. But man, God, I love you. My life belongs to you. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. And just leave the results to him. Paul turns the tables on them and goes, you guys, you're the letter. You're the letter. It, and I love how over and over again what he'll do in this letter, too, as he writes them, is he's going to build on the relationship. He's always going to remind them, guys, I was there. We were together. I was there when your family got saved. I was there when your kids got baptized. You know, look at, you want a letter? Look at your family. Look what God is doing in your life. Look where you were and look where you are. Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And here's his confidence. His confidence is that his sufficiency is not his own. His trust is in the Lord. Even through all of the things that are going on, his trust is in the Lord. He knows he has no power. He knows he has no strength. He knows he has no wisdom. But understand something. Paul was an intelligent man. He, was, he, would, what, what, he, was, he would be what we call today a genius. He was that kind of guy. A genius not only in the things of life, but a genius in the things of the word. He, he was one of those guys that we would all look at and go, that's a smart guy, that's a smart guy. That guy's got, wow, he can quote the scriptures backward and forward. He, he knows a lot. He, he is no man that is lacking wisdom. And yet at the same time, he realizes that even in his days of study and his hard work and his tireless hours of memorizing, they all came from the Lord. It was all grace, not a portion it wasn't just a portion. You look at your life right now and you go, well, you know what I've done? I've worked real hard to get where I have. You know what? You have worked hard. And I commend that. It's wonderful when we as believers will work hard as we work as unto the Lord. We do everything as unto the Lord. And you come back and you go, well, Ed, I've studied real hard. I'm working on my third degree. And for that, I say, great. Work on all the degrees you possibly can. Get as much education as fast as you can. Because it will open up doors for you in this world. And I say, amen. Yeah, you've worked hard. But I want you to understand something. 
your ability to work hard and your ability to study and even the places where you are right now where it just blows your mind that you're working where you're working, you're doing what you're doing, you're making what you're making and even the opportunities are still there. I want you never to forget this. It's all grace. It's not a mixture. It's not 90% and the other 10% was me, Ed. Really, so all your hard work, you stayed up all night. Yeah, I stayed up all night. Oh, how did you stay up all night? A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. And you keep giving credit to things and keep giving credit to tools and mechanisms and you give no credit to the Lord. Oh, no, 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 God was there. He made the coffee for me. Or you give some kind of slight to the Lord. That's not what Paul's doing here. Even under attack. Even where it looks like the fruit of his ministry is negative. Like this is not good. The time that he spent in Corinth and these guys are coming against him and they're believing him and he's hurt and it's hard and he can't believe what he's reading, what he's hearing and all of the difficulties. Even in the midst of difficulties, you know what he says? My sufficiency, our sufficiency is from the Lord. It's not me. It's so even if everything that they say is true, it doesn't matter because my sufficiency is from the Lord. I am who I am by the grace of God. He knew it wasn't true. He knew that if any of the accusations were true, that the Spirit of God dwelled in him and he would be busted and convicted and forsake any of these things that he was being accused of. But he says, it's not me, even though he was very smart. He knows he's not a minister of the gospel because of his education, although it helped. He knows he's not a minister of the gospel because of all of his hard studies or even the failures of his life when he was a Christian killer. He just knows it was the grace of God. Now, here's the flip side of that that I want to lay before you just for you to consider. We won't go into too deep or in depth because we've done this in other places. If you don't believe today and you're not firmly convinced that your life and your position and your place and your progress and the blessings of your life, if you don't believe, especially spiritually, if you don't believe that God is the author of your salvation and that, that while you were rebellious and wanted nothing to do with God, God was pursuing you and how you love God because he first loved you and how you've turned from your sinful ways because God convicted you. If you don't believe that God's the initiator and he's the completer of your salvation, really, if you don't believe the sum and substance of the message of the gospel of grace, then you are a prime target and you probably have some of these tendencies in your life, what we would call legalism. Legalism. An attempt to please God or even bring you know, satisfaction to yourself by following a list of some sort. In your mind, you may have it written out. Some people have it written out. Mostly it's just in the mind. There are a set of behaviors or things that you purposely avoid so that you might feel that satisfaction that you're okay with God. Legalism. Legalism and grace cannot coexist. That's what's scary about legalism. Setting up an artificial list of rules and regulations to keep, to impose on others. You know, you can be legalistically personally where you hold yourself to that standard. Then it gets real dangerous when you start to hold it to others. I'll give you a dumb one. Just, just dumb, dumb. Like, you, you really believe that as a believer... And, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about modesty. I'm just talking about style of clothes. You want to dress a certain way. And you think it's appropriate for believers to dress a certain way. And so you choose to purchase all your clothes in that certain way. And when you dress that way, you feel confident that this is, I'm a believer. I dress this way because this is how believers dress. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, you just twisted that a little bit, didn't you? 
That's not how believers dress. It's how you, the believer, dresses. And if that's your preference, again, understanding the scripture speaks of modesty and not drawing attention to yourself and that, that, that's all, we're all on the same page with that. It's just style here where you like a collar on your shirt, you like a t-shirt. You like shorts, you like pants. You like jeans, you like slacks, that kind of stuff. And so you've got your own style, you put it on, you wear it, and you go, yeah, this is how believers, well, not only do they dress, but this is how they should dress. Oh, wait a minute, should dress, why? Well, because it's how believers dress, really. And where in the scriptures is the dress code for believers again? Uh, yeah, you can't really find one, can you? Well, you know, that's just how. And before you know it now, your personal preference and what you believe and turned into what is acceptable to God, you have now imposed on someone else in order to, well, in order to enforce your personal preference. That's legalism, my friend, legalism, legalism. You have legally caused a, you have caused someone to attempt to live, to live according to God by some legal standard, some law, some rule. Now, you know, as it relates to the gospel and to the message of the gospel, it's always wise to uh, dress in a certain way so that you uh, don't stumble anyone or you can reach the most amount of people. But does God really care about the clothes that you wear? Probably less than you think. It's amazing to me because when a legalistic person, in, in light of clothes, I'll just use it in the context of our own congregation here. When a legalistic person makes a trip of something that God doesn't make a trip, you start to prejudge people that really don't need you to judge them. For example, you may find a lady, a female, a gal come in dressed in, well, in an immodest way where the Bible is pretty clear on modesty, but there she is. She seems to be immodest and more parts of her body are showing than really should be showing or could be showing because this is, we know modesty is not to draw attention to the body parts of a female, but to be adorned, the Bible says, according to the Lord and, and let that adornment be before the Lord. But there you are, you see her coming in, you go, oh, you cover your husband's eyes and you cover your kid's eyes and you go, how could she and how did she? And, you know, it could go both ways. You know, maybe it's not the gal, it's the guy that comes in with the shirt wide open and the chains there. And there you are covering your wife's eyes. Don't look at him. You know, just like, I can't believe this. What kind of church is this? But here's the thing. This has literally happened. This is the thing. That sweet, wonderful young lady is one of two things, most likely. One, perhaps unsaved and just messed up. Just, that's the clothes that she wears because that's the life that she lives. That's who she is right now. That's a possibility. Another possibility is it's Saturday night service and she got saved on Wednesday and has no idea how she's supposed to dress. She's got bigger issues in her life to address than the outward adorning. And of course, what we'll do is we'll have one of the uh, more seasoned uh, ladies in our church maybe come alongside of her and say, come over and maybe wrap her and, and encourage her in the Lord, not judge her, not, not say, how can you wear that in church? How can you think that in church? How can that be? I'll tell you why. There's a legalistic bend in your heart. Because you see something like that, you may want to come and go, man, that, that gal, she just needs some ministry, man. Praise God that she multiply her by thousands that God might reach a segment of, of society that for the most part doesn't walk through these doors. For the most part, most likely someone was walking down the 16th Street Mall, struck up a conversation. She responded to the gospel right there. In, in front of the drugstore, 
and her life is forever changed. And here we are imposing some external outward judgment on her, thinking we're so righteous because of whatever clothes we put on today. It's just a waste of time. It's all grace. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 2 Corinthians. You can also look for these messages online at calvaryco.church. If you have a smartphone or tablet, check out our apps in the App Store or Google Play. They're free, and they're great ways for you to take in the Word of God wherever you go. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Here in the month of August, we've picked out an excellent book we believe will really be of help to you or a friend of yours. See if this sounds familiar. Someone comes up to you with a problem they're facing, and you know Scripture speaks to it, but you just can't quite think of the verse. Well, the quick scripture reference for counseling is just what you need to be able to quickly find the Bible passages for the issues you and your friends are faced with. It's arranged topically, so you can quickly find what you're looking for. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. And thank you for your support. It helps us get the word out on stations like this one all across the nation. Our time together sure goes by quickly, doesn't it? But we're already looking forward to our next study in 2 Corinthians right here on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. God bless. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 